0: but thanks for being here man it's really, it's really great that you're here in, yeah. in many ways you are saving lives all across the nation which is awesome oh god I uh, don't know about that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that uh, is the title uh, of the video right there yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I was like <laughs> a doctor fit. surgeon um, <laughs> more important than any of that uh, <laughs> yeah. when you're on a night out and your phone dies Hugo is the guy who saves you um, that, is, so that is what we did yeah Hugo Tilmouth, our guest day thanks thanks for being here man um, yeah so just, super exciting yeah so for anyone listening just give us a summary because uh, obviously what I said was quite vague so do you want to <laughs> jump in <laughs> and, uh, yes exactly yes
1: yeah no we've had a pretty pretty wild journey so far, uh, five years ago, started a company called Charged Up. Um, it was it was out of a problem I had myself, running out of charge when I was out and about. I was actually at a cricket cricket match at Lords, uh, ran out of charge, ended up having to buy a power bank for twenty quids. I thought this is bonkers. I'm a I'm a grad spending twenty quid to keep my phone alive for one day. Surely there is a market here. Fast forward, uh, I'm cycling a Boris bike home, and I thought, what if you combine these two things together of picking up a battery and, you know, dropping it somewhere else, similar to the Boris bikes? That's where Charged Up came from. We're now in thousands of locations up and down the UK. You can just borrow a battery for £2 an hour, and then you're good to go. So started with that, and then it evolved into a full plethora of products for hospitality companies and uh yeah we we started cleaned up which was a crazy journey in covid yeah and then more more uh more more um uh, closer to today we started served up which is a full payment suite for for hospitality businesses as well right. so loads of crazy stuff Just along say, the way yeah that's, <laughs> a, good, that's <laughs> a good journey then and what the and what's cleaned up so cleaned up is the sanitizer thing that we did in covid it was right. one year from start to finish it grew uh, it was doing after about two months of it being alive, like literally from idea to a million a month in about, I think it was three months. Wow. Uh, and then, yeah, we sold it within the space of a year. So it was wow. a nuts journey, That's like insane. Uh, mo- yeah. most of it from behind a laptop, you know, cause obviously yeah, we're in yeah. lockdown. Um, I had no experience with anything to do with sanitizer. Uh, or or shipping or logistics really and yeah we just kind of made it up as well, as we went along and, and you
0: sold it within a year that's yeah. got to be the quickest exit like that's got to be a guinness world record or something <laughs> <quick>. especially <laughs> for, for 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 a good multiple as well i'm guessing. yeah it yeah. was
1: it was yeah it was all pretty weird but you know it was it was a great learning journey and uh-huh. uh yeah, definitely, definitely uh, ups and downs along the way, but yeah, it was good fun.
0: So yeah. with with charged up. So obviously going back to the beginning, you're at Lord's, your phone dies, you buy yep. this power bank, you see the Boris, but you're on a Boris, butt, you have that kind of the big brainwave. Yep. What's the next step? Do you call someone? Do you run it by someone? Do you, you know, do you call a manufacturer? I mean, what's the very first thing that you did when you got home?
1: Yeah. So this is, this is kind of a few years before graduating. I was, you know, had this kind of initial idea. So first idea was very basic. It was, why don't we make vending machines that vend out power banks that are fully charged with the cables, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, start looking on like Alibaba and stuff. Do these, do you, can you make a power, uh, like, is there such thing yeah. as a, as a vending machine for power banks? Anyway, nothing really exists. So we're looking on the market, like what, what exists in the market, doing a bit of research, et cetera. This is all while, you know, doing engineering at uni. um, And, and, you know, the, the only thing that existed on the market was these charging lockers and, if you remember way back in the day, you'd go into like a Westfield or somewhere and you'd just lock your phone away. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah, that that's kind of all that existed. And I was like, surely, like there has to be a better way. Anyway, so we start trying to build this vending machine thing, like physically with 3D printers, wow. motors, all this kind of stuff um in our in our university lab which was which was quite a lot of fun and um, who's we by the way so just uh me and a few friends from uni basically okay. um and yeah so we we start trying to do that obviously like that's never going to be the end business but i think there's there's this kind of beautiful combination of naivety and like you know optimism that comes together when yeah. you're like super young and you're first getting into something um that meant that you know i kind of thought that that could be the way to get to a business um, but anyway, so we, we we start building this thing and we start like pitching it to people, one of which was uh, our, our kind of business professor or whatever you want to call him at the university. Um, and he said basically, great idea here guys um you know I, I love the enthusiasm, et cetera um, but basically if you if you can prove to me that people will pay for this thing, I will give you two and a half grand. sorry. Well, I will give you two and a half grand equity free for, for absolutely nothing to go out and prove if people will pay for this. Um, and then I'll give you another two and a half grand to kind of take it to the next step. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that that re- like very, very early on someone being like, you need to go out and like prove that this is something that people will pay for, I think was like one of the most invaluable lessons mm. um, that we were we were taught like super early days and this this dude um uh, Joe Pierce he's you know I'm still in touch with him now he's a great guy uh that that was like a really really significant moment he sat us down and made us think like how do you go from absolutely nothing to something that people will be willing to pay for with two and a half grand. Like Mm. most people, most businesses, you can't do that. Yeah,
0: that's peanuts. I know.
1: It really is nothing. So obviously there's no way we can build an app with that. We can't can't find a manufacturing partner and all this kind of stuff. So we have to go like super, super basic, like boil down the idea to the most minimum viable product possible. And for us, that was to buy some power banks off eBay or Amazon or whatever um, put numbers on all of them and then make like a little, you know, tracking sheet on Google sheets or whatever yeah. and go to a festival. We managed to hustle our way into a festival for free. Um, and we were we had a stand at this festival, and Can we ask rented. what festival it was. It was the most rogue festival, <laughs> you, like it wasn't a cool festival. <laughs> okay, it was like the agricultural show in. Cornwall. Okay. There's a reason Something. you got in there for free, basically. <laughs> yeah. is what you're saying? I think, I think yeah, Kanye good. was headlining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on his JCB tractor yeah. or whatever. Like yeah. it, was, it was seriously rogue. Um, but anyway, you know, there's there's all these thousands of people, so. We were sat there in the pouring rain. There's some great photos of us there um, with our little power banks, and we had a little Izettle card machine to take their money. Um, and yeah, we, we rented out these things, and I think we were charging ten pounds to 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 borrow it, and then if you returned it, you paid a little, you got a bit of a refund kind of thing. Um, super, super like basic setup, but we made two grand over that weekend. Okay, um, wow. And obviously, it's not scalable to have three people sat there at a stand all the time doing this but it proved the concept that people want to pay to charge their phone mm-hmm. and this idea that you you know if you if you pay then you you borrow the battery and then you return it that that kind of came true even though we were the machine that was kind of renting and returning the batteries
0: yeah.
1: um just with the batteries on that point how did yeah. you prevent theft
2: yeah that was my first thought yeah yeah so especially it, in the early days when you didn't have the technology to actually track and
1: it was so basic it was you pay 10 pounds now And then we somehow, I can't remember how we did it on iZettle, but we would refund either one pound or two pounds or three pounds or nothing if they took it away, basically. Um, So it was, yeah, the most basic setup ever. But we already had their money if they took the battery. And that's kind of how it works now. Fast forward five years. Mm. um, We basically take their card details, and if they rent the battery, they just pay a pound. And if they keep it then they pay 30 pounds you know it's, a, it's the exact same concept but just right with a load of tech in between that means that you know i don't have to be sat in thousands of bars yeah. renting out batteries and taking yeah. them back um, how
0: many did you have at the festival
1: i feel like it was maybe 100 maybe 200 right um you know it wasn't a huge number and they were just generic batteries like we branded them up and they had this hideous logo that i designed with like the little power a uh, little uh battery on it and our old charged up name and all this stuff um, and, uh, yeah, so we, 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 we branded these things up and they had all the cables in there and everything, and then just rented them out. And that was the thing that allowed us to move to the next stage. He gave us the two and a half grand. We then went off and then we, we, we started pitching for some competitions to get the next bit of funding. I think the first one that we got was with Shell. Um, so we, we pitched for like a young founder, whatever competition. And I think we, we got 10 grand from those guys, something like that, which obviously, you know, it doesn't sound like a huge amount of money now, but like at the time it was, it was game changing. Like yeah. that was the reason I was able to continue like working on this thing. Not mm. that I was drawing a salary, but it was like, it was the kind of amount of money that was necessary for us to keep progressing. Um, once I'd graduated. And for me, it was like, if we win this thing, I'll keep doing it. Uh, if not, I'll, you know, go and yeah. get a real job. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, we kind of, it just kept going. And then we, then we did another one and I think we got 15 grand from O2, um again equity free like yeah. the, there's so many of these competitions out there it's it is quite amazing that you know uh all of these big corporates they they they, they kind of give out this cash for mm. especially young young founders like people who are under 30 etc i think they there's more available to that and then also if you're doing something related to to eco stuff whether it's battery tech or whatever there's 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 all sorts of competitions available and you just have to go for them and we we, we did and then yeah ultimately the 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 o two thing led into something else and led into you know and then it just kind of snowballs from there but it was very much one one foot in front of the other yeah. um yeah. from from that early 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 start
0: um okay well, I was going to say. So, with the so you had the batteries that obviously you just bought on eBay. Mm. Did you then, when you when you went to do it kind of properly? Did, yeah. did you use the same process, kind of just buying batteries on eBay and then putting a sticker on? What how, What was the did you get them made custom?
1: Yeah. So the the obviously it was a much bigger job to actually build the the units because they had to. If you think about it, like it's a it's a charging dock, but they have to be able to somehow you know uh, like release a battery via an API connect to an app you know take payments on an app um and then when they return it needs to like log that and then take the payment on the app you know all of this kind of stuff like it's it's way more complicated Mm. than just buying it on you know some generic store or whatever Mm. um so in order to build all of that stuff um we basically had to go out and raise some investments so we we joined this program uh called virgin crowd boost it's i I believe it's still running. I highly recommend it. If if it is still running, it was like an eight week intensive program where you went through all sorts of different experts every week. Everything from like branding to uh, making a pitch deck to you know how to uh, you know how to do your your SEIS and on EIS and you know all of the kind of stuff that you need to learn when you're when you're first starting out. Um, and as part of that process, one of the things was to pitch to what we were told was a a fake investor, like a practice investor. Uh, and we would, we would go in and we would pitch to them and, you know, they'd give us feedback on our pitch. And obviously, you know, it was, it was somewhat, we were somewhat nervous going into it, but didn't really realize how big a deal it was going to end up being on the flip side. Because, um, once we pitched, they kind of sent us an email. We were the only one that got the email and they said that they wanted to invest in, in the company. So, um it went from a a bit of a kind of practice pitch yeah. you know uh to to them investing um I, I believe it initially started as 150k and then it it actually went up to 200k yeah uh, from their kind of syndicate of angels mm, um right. but uh but yeah again it was just good fortune like we I guess we we applied for this Virgin CrowdBoost thing, and we, you know, threw our all into it. But then, just randomly, these guys were were willing to take our pitch, and that's what led to us getting the two hundred grand, which led to us having enough money to fly out to China and find a you know a manufacturing partner out there, and you know hire a team of developers that we hired uh, out in out in India, and you know start building the application. And yeah, it was uh, it was pretty pretty crazy but you know we managed to pull it together somehow
0: so with the with the venues and getting the actual sort of slot and the kind of the uh, the batch of the <laughs> the venues how did it work in terms of are you just sort of on foot grassrootsing it hitting up you know walking from pub to shop to whatever it is every day being like hey can we put this in your place or yeah. did you sort of was it cold email and, and also what do they get out of it i feel like that would be a question they would have
1: yeah it's great 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 question so it was exactly what you said like door to door, you know, here is, and, and we, we had to do it before we even had a product because, you know, we didn't, we didn't have the unit from China at that point. Yeah. And there was nothing, you know, so we, the, the initial thing was, uh, we 3d printed a unit. I I bought a 3d printer, um, for like 300 quid or whatever, and 3d printed this unit. And it looked like what the station would be. Um, and we were just going like door to door from all of these pubs in Shoreditch, actually, that's where, that's where it all started um and and pitching them on this thing and it was like an ipad with with like you know this is all the features and stuff and then a like a landing page on a website and then this 3d printed unit that looked like what a charging station would look like um and you know we we showed them this is what it's going to be we need to get you guys signed up and i think we signed up a hundred sites before there was anything like there was, it was just, it was just like images and this like unit that looked kind of real. Yeah. Um, But it it was, there was no, there was no nothing behind it. Um, And again, that contributed to the guys saying, look, we'll, we'll invest in this thing and help you bring it to market. Um, Again, it's like, I think the, especially when you're, when you're starting out and I was literally fresh out of uni zero, zero kind of, uh, credentials on the CV or anything like that. It was like proving stuff on zero money. That was the, that was kind of the, the key and, and, you know, getting to getting people to show that they are willing to like either sign up for your thing or pay for it. These were the things that like really helped contribute. Um, because clearly we couldn't show that we had a product yet we didn't have like a thousand users or ten thousand users that were already using it Um, and there was a lot of money up front that you had to Mm -hmm. pay to develop this stuff so yeah we we just tried all of these different methods to kind of you know almost like fake it to get the customer demand and then fake it to get the 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 business demand Mm -hmm. so that you know we could get that sign up list and then yeah off the back of that we were able to raise raise that money
2: and what was the, what sort of pushback were you getting then from the companies and and sort of venues that you were talking to?
1: yeah um I guess you know first thing is hospitality people they generally they they're the kind of slightly distrusting of new tech like it's it, it, it's it's always been a you know an industry where there's a little bit of skepticism um, yeah
0: I've worked in hospitality for like for a while so I've seen, I've seen that <laughs> yeah firsthand
1: yeah. yep um so it's like the first question is who else has got this thing and when no one else has got this thing you know the answer is well hopefully you guys <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> so it's uh yeah slightly slightly tricky to kind of get the ball rolling um but you know i think they're going back to your your kind of second part two of the question before is like we were we were pitching them on the fact that this thing it doesn't cost them anything like there's literally no cost for having this unit just plug it in leave it on the side and it'll do it'll do a great job number two was like safety of their guests so um, you know, people are, if their phones are running out, how are they going to get home safely? How are they are going to message their mm. friends, get an Uber, use the, you know, the, the tube app to like figure out where they're going to get the train back or mm. any of this kind of stuff. So there's a safety aspect to it. And also third thing is, um, you know, they, they, it gives the guests a better experience. Like they, they stay in the venue longer, they spend yeah, more money true. and they, they're not going to leave like unhappy. So yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of quite an easy sell from that perspective because, it's kind of like just test it if you don't yeah. like it if no one yeah. uses it give us a call we'll bring it we'll come pick it up next yeah. week but you know we've we've got people who were signed way back then like five years ago with the original hardware like the the, the worst version of the product that we ever released and I popped into one, Who's, who's just signed up to Served Up now, our latest business, and they've still, you know, they've got a newer version of the thing, but it's still in the same place as yeah. as, as the one that was there five years ago. Yeah, which is really really satisfying because it's such a low maintenance product. It just sits there, yeah. Yeah. helps their guests out and doesn't really interfere with things and the final thing that we kind of leveraged a little bit was that there was a pub that burnt down because someone had like plugged in a phone um and left it overnight like a guest okay. phone wow. on like a dodgy you know like cheap um uh, like charging yeah. Yeah. set or whatever uh and yeah we always leverage that it's like the the horror story yeah, of yeah, yeah. Yeah. you don't want this yeah. let the guests use a you know pat pat tested like certified device and also they're plugging it in and using it on their table, whatever, there's, you're not taking any liability for their phone. Um, so yeah, it,
0: it was quite an easy, easy sales pitch, to be honest. And also it's a case of like, if you're, if you're sort of a, a party goer uh, and you're going out, just made myself so uncool. If, if you actually leave your bedroom like a freak, uh, if you're going out, the cool thing is that if you know a venue has that kind of stuff and another venue doesn't, I'm going there every single time. Mm. If I know that I'm going to be able to charge my phone while I'm there and that one doesn't have it, yeah. that might not be the only deciding factor, yeah. but as in that's definitely a factor, Yeah. Um, which ties me into my next question which i'm really curious about which is that like i'm a big marketing geek that's like my thing and what i find so like amazing about this business model is the fact that obviously you have to pitch to the sites and the venues but once it's in the venue they get the foot traffic
1: you've you've nailed so you're
0: literally piggybacking off their audience exactly that is so genius
1: yeah it's so nice and so interestingly there's two sides to this story so the the good side is that we don't have to like pay to get new people to use this thing. There's it no just, user acquisition. Yeah. It literally sits on the bar and people just go up and use it. And like, it's su- super weird going all the way back to the beginning where there was nothing. There's, there's people who you know, either copied the idea or had the same idea, developed the same product, and released it subsequently. And obviously, it's more of a thing now; like it's five years on, etc. But even in that first venue, like I remember installing it on the bar in this this site in 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 Shoreditch on Brick Lane called the Big Chill. Still there, still you know, it's still still going strong. um But it, we installed it on the bar, and people just went up to it and used it, and that was like the real light bulb moment for for me, like you know, it was like this, this thing is actually real. People mm. don't need to be educated on how to use this thing. They literally go up to it, read the little backboard yeah. and it says, download this app. And then they do it. And then they rent a battery and it all just makes sense. Like it's such a simple concept. And mm-hmm. yet, you know, somehow I guess, you know, cause it's so simple, people just got it immediately out the box. Um, I guess the flip side of that, you know, good side is we get free, free customers from them. The flip side is we tried so many different different methods to, like, get more people to use it, like different marketing channels. We did so much rogue stuff. Like, we, we had, like, influencer marketing. We did paid advertising, like, Facebook ads. Also, you know, all the typical stuff. And none of it worked. Literally mm. nothing worked on the on the marketing side. Um, why, why was that? So I think the reason is in order to get someone at the point, like, You need to get them when they're either in a pub or about to go into a pub or moving around and they're low on charge. It's so difficult to get that exact moment. Mm. You'd have to spend an absolute fortune to make an impact on it.
0: Because also, are you just, are you advertising a nearby pub? So you're sort of of running an ad for a venue that you don't own. You're sort of doing digital marketing for them.
1: Exactly. So it's a a really tricky one. The only thing that did work for us was promotion within a venue. So once they're already in there, you know, putting leaflets out on the tables, all this kind of stuff, that does work. But to be honest, again, it's not really worth it for us yeah. for that extra maybe couple of rentals that we're getting for two pounds a rental. Mm. It's not worth us sending someone in, mm. putting loads of flyers up, all this kind of stuff. We tested it all. And ultimately the best thing to do is just pick a really good site and make sure that they put it in a prominent place on mm. the bar. Do you build an That's email it.
0: list off the off the opt-in, like when they when they use the QR code?
1: Uh, so we like from the charge stuff side, we do have the data of the of the customers, but it's more we don't really leverage it that much. We, we we've done stuff in the past, but. To be honest the main thing is just have as many sites as possible visible you know and and make it so that people can always access it when they're out and about in a bar and that's what seems to work best and yeah. we you know in the past in the past 2 years we've gone uh we without revealing the exact numbers we've we've over uh, tripled the amount of revenues per station um, without doing all of this marketing. Wow. So, you know, the, the the numbers are going up and to the right, which is amazing. And it's more just because we have more locations for them to pick it up, drop it off. And then the final thing is we now have a, the technology which allows you to just tap your credit card. So if your phone is completely dead and you don't have the app, you know, you can just tap your credit card and a battery pops out. Mm. And it's had a massive impact on, you know, the number of rentals that we see in the yeah, network. I'm sure. Um,
0: um, do you know what your revenue was for the last year, by the way? i i do yes <laughs> is there any, are there, is there any <laughs> hope <laughs> yeah. are there any public numbers from for how long i don't know how i mean you know, how long it's been public or been going in that sense but yeah, I mean, yeah like do you have any public figures
1: uh not 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 ones that we're really able to share but you know sense, yeah. the 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 charged up business is is absolutely booming at the moment like it's gone from strength to strength um given you know we we thought covid could kill it off like i think we're we're a you know, in the pubs, like yeah. the places that got shot first. Yeah. And it's basically reliant on people being out and about mm-hmm. to need it. And then number two, it, you have to like share this thing. And like you remember right at the beginning, everyone was freaking about freaking out about True. touching stuff. Yeah. And this is a bloody shared
0: power bank. It's like <laughs> in public
1: venues. In public venues, yeah. it's like we thought that that was going to completely kill the business, but you know, luckily, it's come back really, really strong. Yeah. And you know, we've got massive expansion plans over this year, over the next few years. Like mm. we're launching in literally tens of cities across the the next two quarters across wow. Europe and Australia, Middle East, et cetera. Like wow. there's so much stuff going on on that business from the point that we, you know, where we thought it was going to be dead and gone. Sure. It's it's completely. Yeah you know, Phoenix or whatever. Do you know
0: how many venues you are in now as of today?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're in, uh, as of this day, we're about 2,000 locations. Wow. But by the end of uh, Q2 this year, we're going to be in about 5,000 locations. So wow. uh, okay. yeah, it's it's, uh, it's growing Ooh, pretty fast. Come back strong. <laughs> yeah, essentially
2: yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, just going back to the start then, I was curious to understand how you managed to find the right co-founders. You say you started with your mates, but I think a lot of the time it can be quite tricky to find the right match of skill sets from the outset. So how yeah, did you yeah. go about finding that?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely super difficult. I think it's one of the most difficult things. Is you know uh, the people in a business. You know, the you can control the tech, you can kind of solve for all of these problems, but um, you know the people is always is always going to be tricky, um, especially when you have zero network. You know, like you're 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 with the the people that are on your course or the people who you're friends with at uni, whatever. That's that's a very limited pool of people, and of course, not everyone who like maybe is excited to get involved in the early stages, is gonna to want to grind it out for yeah. five years, maybe 10 years. Like the average business takes 10 years to build that's like valuable. Um, you know, not everyone is going to want to stay on that journey. So, you know, unfortunately, um the 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 two guys that were on my, on my, on my course are no longer involved in the business. We're we're all still good friends and it's all it's all very uh uh very you know happy about whatever situation but um it didn't kind of it didn't kind of work out um in the end but I, I brought on a, um, kind of a, a little, a little like later into the journey, um, brought on, uh, another co-founder, um, and he's very much still involved and, you know, he's, uh, he, he kind of has a very different skill set to me and, you know, brings a lot to, to the table, but, uh, but yeah, it's, 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 was one of those. Was that someone these... you knew beforehand, by the way? Was that no, a friend? Or... Oh, no, no, okay. no. So right. it was a it's kind of a friend of a friend known only through business, which I think right. is actually the better way of doing it. Um, I think, uh, kind of, it can work out and I've seen, you know, I've got friends who are uh, founders who are friends before and then became like business partners second. Um, But I think, I think it's actually, it actually works out better if you're, you're kind of meeting through business and then developing something off the back of that um but there is no there is no right answer to how you how you solve for the the co-founder problem i don't yeah. i think there's loads of people that try and solve it um you know you've got these uh these kind of um accelerator programs and incubators that that try and solve it by just throwing a load of people in a room together and then finding a technical person and then a kind of salesy businessy person yeah. and then trying to pair those two people up but you know even in those cases you're you're trying to figure out you want to work with someone for 10 years in the space of maximum like 10 weeks yeah. you know mm-hmm. like there is no perfect scenario i don't think um but i think the the big piece of advice i would always give is don't go for someone who is the same as you mm. like if you're salesy outgoing you know super interested in like uh like raising investment and like you know going out and pitching the the product go for someone like try and find someone who is the opposite of your skill yeah. set mm-hmm. like you know, for me, my, my weaknesses would be around like detail and finances and, you know, just really like being in the weeds of like completer finishing, all of that kind of stuff, which yeah, is me both brother. Yeah. It's like the antithesis of like typical kind of, uh, founder type type personality. Um, but you know, what, what I, what I did and what I learned is that you have to find someone who is amazing at that, loves it, like gets like energy from being in the detail, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just go right find find, and, uh, yeah. find the find the yin to your yang yeah, or whatever, yeah. and and you know that's when then you know really succeeds. And yeah, now we've got a you know COO who is very much that type of person, mm, and, yeah. and yeah, she she takes a lot of that that kind of strain off me rather than being you know uh, me just kind of struggling through and not doing a great job at sure. it. Sure,
0: it seems like a fairly on on paper at least it seems like a fairly low overhead business because you buy the stuff, you mm. put it in the venue, it makes its money back uh are you are you open to say how much the actual things sell the, to units for and things like that or is yeah
1: that... like it's it, it's a fairly simple business model like it's costs a few hundred quid to buy these these units and then they they make their money back in a few months so right. it's you know it's, it's it is fairly simple um and you know we've been very very fortunate that that business has now become profitable mm. um and it's you know it's continuing to grow uh on that front so you know it's a, it is it's a really really nice business um and yeah very excited about the
0: future so with marketing being not really much of an expense mm. is the main cost of the business the actual manufacturing
1: yeah um so yeah like the kit itself does cost because obviously you buy you don't buy one you buy sure. thousands of them yeah and then you got to install them and all of that but you know it's a, it's a good roi um you know you're getting your your money back quite quickly and you know you can there's all sorts of uh, clever things that you can do to to kind of smooth over the cost of that etc but sure um yeah it, it, it works pretty nicely
2: from yeah. from no go on, go on. I was just gonna say well no go yeah,
0: go ahead. Well I was gonna say was um gonna go from the beginning, because to me, I mean it's uh, it's like it's such a brilliant idea. I mean it's like <laughs> it not, it's not one to,
2: that's all oh, it's also one it, that everyone's thought of but no one's actually done. And that's, well, the, that's what I mean. That's the thing, which it, is normally the good one. Because
0: we, we've had we've had all sorts of guests on and, and and every business we've had on has been genuinely very interesting. Yeah, but not all of them either I've known or it's or it's in an industry that has nothing to do with me and I learn about it and I go, That's very interesting. Yeah. It wouldn't necessarily apply to me. This is something where I'm like, I mean, I've literally been in bars and I've seen that. Yeah and I've worked in bars and I've seen that. That's Oh, nice. so yeah and so uh, and so it's crazy that i'm like this is such a great idea because it is yeah. on 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 a night out if you think about the top like five things people will complain about it's like bars shutting too early yep. not like you know takeaway places shutting too early whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> my and my phone died yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it's such a great so my question is sort of a long- well, long-winded way of saying did you know when you had the idea like this is fucking huge. This is actually really because that's what I feel. I would be like, this is in this is massive. Of course. You're solving a massive problem.
1: Yeah, yeah. But my my big concern was like, surely someone has done this before. Mm. And then I kept looking and mm. it was like, okay, there's some people like solving things around it. Yeah. But not the core thing, which was you're in the bar. And you need, to, you need to get your phone charged. And mm. there's people trying to make like, you know, little pads that you could put your phone on that cost the bar thousands of pounds to install. So yeah. obviously they're not going to do it because, you know, it's just not worth it to yeah. them. And then, like I said, there's the charging lockers in the shopping malls. And again, the shopping mall had to pay for it. Therefore, it would only be in really fancy places like a Westfield, yep. not in the kind of random pub in the middle of nowhere or, you know, whatever. So it, I think it was actually less so you know the 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 idea of like charging someone's phone it was actually the flip of the business model that was that you as a customer paid for it and effectively just applying the vending machine model to it um and then making it so it was free for that venue to take that unit mm. um that was the that was the like the the smart bit of it all um and then obviously like just going for it as well that's yeah that's always the thing you know because the the amount of people that have said oh yeah i had that idea as well it's like you also you also have to then go out and like do it, yeah, yeah, fly yeah. to Shenzhen yeah, and yeah. like find a translator out there and, you know, fi- yeah. figure out a factory and all of that crazy stuff. But yeah, it's uh, it, it, yeah, it's a fun business. I've learned a lot building it. Yeah,
2: I bet. No, I bet. I mean, th- looking at that then on the tech side and the kind of back end of the business, once you secured the investment, how did you actually go about practically finding someone to build the back end of the business? Because that's obviously quite a big mm. job and the main expense, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, like I, I did engineering at uni. Yeah. Um, so I could, you know, I could figure stuff out. I could Google stuff, whatever, and and do a little tiny like the tiniest bit of coding possible. Um, so I decided I was going to be the, like the product guy in the team. Um, and so I, I went out on, uh, upwork.com, you know, it's like Fiverr or whatever, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and I, I put out this, this, uh, post, which was incredibly like like the most detailed spec ever um, of exactly what we wanted building with this app you know iPhone app uh, Android app um, and then like a a kind of portal to to control all the stations and then a connection into this hardware Um, and I think I think I interviewed over a hundred different agencies across the world mainly in India because at the time that was kind of the main place that people would go for like outsourcing technology um, and yeah, I uh, interviewed all of these people and whittled it down to one or two agencies. And then we ended up going with this, with this, with this company. Um, and you know, I think it was probably a bit of luck or whatever, but they were able to actually produce the thing, you know, it wasn't cause they, they could have completely bamboozled me. Yeah. I like, I wouldn't have known if they could do it or not. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. was, no, of course. it was kind of just good fortune that they actually could do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, we, we hired these I think it was three people to start with um and they just started cracking on and um you know building building the application yeah. um and obviously i was kind of managing that day to day and figuring out what product management meant, and yeah all of that stuff but you know, the fact that I was the most technical person in the team mm. means that there was no technical people <laughs> in the team. Like it was, yeah. it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely a learning curve.
2: So how did you know that they were the right agency to use? And if you weren't the tech guy, how, how did you know when you've been interviewing a hundred agencies, it was say, just, any of them can bamboozle you? So how did you know that they were the ones that could actually do?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think they, I think if I remember back, they had some experience doing hardware integration so they'd like worked with factories in china and done that kind of firmware hardware um, element which is definitely like it's way more niche if you're just just trying to find someone who can build you like a web app or an iphone app yeah super easy to do Hmm. finding that 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 agency that also has experience with hardware because these guys i think they developed some toys and some other bits and pieces beforehand so that gave me a degree of confidence but honestly, like it was, like I said, it was, it was definitely a, an element of luck that they actually could do it because I had no idea what language the units were going to be written in or mm. whatever, um, and maybe they didn't either. But they, they kind of figured it out, and uh, yeah, they, they, they obviously they, they allowed us to launch it. We got to a hundred sites using the tech that they built um, before we made our first technical hire in the UK. You know, like in, in house. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately. the the kind of end of the story is that they ended up rebuilding everything because it wasn't actually that great. And it kept falling down every Friday when people rented too many batteries and all of that. But it doesn't really matter because like ultimately we wouldn't have been able to afford that like CTO at the time. Yeah. And the guys in India, they they did an incredible job at getting us to those hundred sites that allowed us to, you know, raise more money. Mm. That's when we raised uh, 1.1 million um, at, at that hundred site mark. And, you know, if if we hadn't been able to do it on the shoestring budget, we wouldn't have got to the next step. So it's, you know, it's like, like I said, it's just one foot in front of the other. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, ultimately, the, the code went in the bin, but they got us to the next stage. Yeah, so,
0: yeah. so much of this game just in business in general is just leveraging. It's mm. just leveraging like one thing that's about to happen. And yep. hopefully that doesn't fall through before I can jump to this branch. <laughs> I can then leverage that. And then I've got this branch coming up. I can, and that's just yeah. obviously like half of it. Yeah,
1: it's like rock climbing, right? <laughs> yeah, literally.
0: Um, I think the, the the life of an entrepreneur is obviously notoriously intense. And obviously it's a lot of work and crazy hours and very anti social. Um, How have you managed to sort of navigate waters like relationships friendships things like that because obviously you know your work schedule probably you know isn't as set as like a nine to five yeah what's that been like
1: yeah i don't know it's i have i've i've never really struggled with it i'm quite like a always on person anyway like i was always starting random businesses and loads of different ventures yeah all through all through the years so i think people like my my i've been with my girlfriend for like nine years now yeah and i think she knew me when i was doing that like weird random yeah events companies I had a drone business at one point, I all sorts of weird stuff. So it was kind of all to be expected. And also, like, I think I, I've always been able to kind of switch off as well and be quite like, you know, OK, now I'm I'm focused on this thing and now I'm at home and I'm just like chilling and, you know, just watching some you know, shitty TV or whatever. You know, yeah. it's like you, you can have those two different modes. It doesn't have to be one or the other, always on kind of thing. What do you
2: got any advice for someone who doesn't know how to switch off? I, that's what I was about to I'm say. Not saying that, I'm I, not saying that I, I, I do. No, I, example, I struggle but, but, I, mean, I
0: struggle with that. I, I'm always, I can be relaxing and in the back of my mind, way back there, I'll be like, yeah. I've got that Instagram thing I have to post and I have to, like, I can't. <laughs> how do you do that?
1: I think my, my way of doing it is just always like adding it to a list. Like just having lists of stuff that you need to complete. Yeah, Because as soon as I've like, even even if it's like some big quite scary thing that you need to do tomorrow or whatever as soon as i add it to a list i feel calm cuz i know that i'm going to get to it and i know that i will i will do it tomorrow even if it's at like you know 6am in the morning mm. tomorrow it doesn't really matter i just know that it's now dealt with cuz it's kind of like the job is now done for today there's no point really milling over it in your head and mulling over it sorry and 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 you know just going around in circles because you can you can think about that tomorrow and i i don't know like it's maybe it's just um how my brain is set up but i just think about stuff in like boxes and you just chuck it in the box think about that tomorrow and um yeah I, i definitely think that helps but also you know all the typical stuff of like you know uh, spend time with your friends you know uh, do sports like you know all of these kind of things do genuinely yeah. make a big difference as well um and you know don't get too trapped in i need to work 24 7 in order to make this thing work because sometimes it actually you need to step back from it mm-hmm. and you know go on the bloody boris bike and then you think of an idea or yeah. whatever it is yeah. like you never know where that thing's going to come from and yeah sometimes changing context or whatever actually makes a massive impact and then you figure out how to solve that thing.
2: Yeah, for sure. What um what did your parents say to you when you first started the business? Because obviously you you had a good university, I mean a good degree. Was there any element of them trying to push you into a slightly safer, more corporate route?
1: Um it's a good question because, you know, both my parents, they they didn't start businesses themselves. They were uh, you know, they they've been successful and they've, you know, done had great careers, etc. But they didn't they didn't go down that kind of uh, you know, slightly more risky, risky Mm. route. And I think that maybe there was an element of like, um, I think with my mom, she was like, you know, wanted me to do something like that. Um, and she was also quite happy for me to just like test it out for a bit as well. You know, I lived at home with them for, for a year and, you know, that's the time to do it, right? Exactly. And, you know, I think there's definitely, there's always going to be a bit of hesitancy or whatever, but the way I pitched it to them was like, okay, I'm going to give this thing a shot for six months. If it doesn't work out, I will just go out and get a grad job like yeah. everyone else. Yeah. And like worst case scenario, I'm six months behind them. Mm. It's not that big a deal, yeah. Actually, yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah. And so, and yeah, uh, you know, uh, six years later, still, <laughs> still haven't got the grad job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's still time. Uh, <laughs>
0: you mentioned obviously you started a, you started a bunch of kind of businesses or failed business ideas and stuff like that. Did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur?
1: Um, I don't know to be honest. I think. I never really thought about it as entrepreneurship. It was just kind of like, I was just like doing random stuff.
0: Yeah. You know, like. I. I well, did you always want to know you wanted to work for yourself in some capacity?
1: Again, I, d- I don't think so. Because, right. you know, I, I did a ton of, I, I literally did like a million internships because I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I think I did like at 12 or something, you know, like. And it was, I did everything from like architecture to working in a in, in Deutsche Bank for one summer. And like I did a, a tech startup and then like a an investment firm and like all sorts of different stuff, like just to try, because I was genuinely like, I don't really know what I'm going to be that good at. And I also don't really know what I enjoy. And the thing that did resonate, the thing that really um like flipped me over was I, I work for, uh, one summer at this place called Pavegen, it was. Uh, it, it's still going now, but it's a, a company that makes these floors that you walk on, and it generates electricity as you walk on it. Okay. And the dude who started it, um, he he was like a massive inspiration because he'd come straight out of university, and he um, he started this business, and you know raised money and did all of that kind of stuff, and built a business without going in and getting like a real job. You know, that was a major thing for me. And then the other one that was a big inspiration was uh, this company called Tilt that I I I worked with, did some stuff for. Um, and it was like this big tech platform out of the US uh, from Silicon Valley. Um, and they were doing all sorts of crazy stuff with payments. But again, I was like, it kind of gave me that exposure to the world of technology and how You can build these like super scalable products and you know i think those those two were like the two experiences that resonated the most with the stuff i enjoy and like that kind of startup-y entrepreneurial thing and then yeah then it kind of just happened quite naturally like i there wasn't some grand master plan at the start of it it was just you know here's an idea and can we solve it and yeah then we've somehow figured it out
2: would you say you're passionate about the business that you're running at the moment
1: yeah, I love it. It's uh, it's great fun. Like uh, now we've now we've kind of built a few different things. I was less passionate about the sanitizer. You know, it's like yeah. how excited can you get about ethanol and you know cleaning Bad your hands? Way. Yeah. Let's be honest. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Look <laughs> at it sounds the right like, way. <laughs> sounds like my Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly, uh, we in in COVID we actually used uh, I think it was about twenty tankers worth of whiskey like the ethanol that would go into whiskey um so it was kind of kind of interesting yeah and we we, we got it all sent from a, a distillery up in scotland
0: and wow. anyway what are you doing research yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sadly the ethanol on its own i think may yeah. kill you rather than <laughs> yeah history. it's not going to be the job <laughs> <that>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but but no i love i like obviously the 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 tech and the building like the building the products i love all of that stuff we also get to work with super cool companies you know the coolest pubs and bars and restaurants and all of mm. these places. But the thing that I love the most about this is it's like super scalable tech, but there is also something in the real world that you can see. Yeah. And like, you know, like you said, you, you've you been into, you've been working in these places and you've been into these bars where you've seen it, like 99% of tech companies, unless you're in that industry, you'll have no exposure to it. Whereas yeah. with Charged Up, like even when we had 100 sites, I had friends you know from school or whatever who were sending me photos of the units cuz they'd seen it in their local bar and there's something really cool about like that physical world crossover with mm. technology that I really like and that then led into obviously the payment stuff yeah. which again it's like it's a it's a it's a digital product but it's like in bars it's in the real world there's like a tangible element to it which definitely like it's something that I I really like about what we've what we've done so far
0: obviously running a company takes a lot of time and a lot of work what made you think you could do two at once and start wow and, and where'd that come from not yeah. like a, who do you think you are no 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 it's, <laughs> uh, well
1: i guess the the answer is we couldn't that was the right. that was that was like the the, the kind of end of it um so we yeah tried to do both and what we saw was that charged up was grow sorry served up was growing but charged up was because it wasn't getting any love it was starting to go down and down and down Anyway the the end result was that we hired a managing director for that business someone who could just completely take all for which of which one for, for, for charged up for charged up okay yeah um someone who could take on all of the mental strain and you know whatever all the all the kind of uh, laying up at night thinking about how to solve whatever problem and that is like one of the best decisions i've ever made is bringing someone in to just like own that mm. because if i tried to continue to to wear both hats and like you know, in the morning, think about one business in the afternoon, think about the other. It just never would have worked. You have to get someone who can just like focus on it. Um, and it means that I can, you know, I can check in with him and, you know, make sure it's all going all well, but I don't have to think about it the rest of the time. Like maybe it's one hour a week that I'm thinking about it, but the rest of the time I'm focused on the other business yeah. and, you know, I can stay laser focused on making that a big success. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't recommend trying to do two at the same time. I don't like Elon Musk with his like five different businesses. Yeah, he's an anomaly it doesn't yeah, It an doesn't an make an sense. I don't think uh, normal mere mortals can yeah. do that <laughs> yeah, that's true
0: <laughs> um so I was going to say with served up, where did the actual idea for that come from, and what made you think about it enough to actually want to make a business out of it?
1: Yeah, so it was actually the first time I was out in China um so when we when we flew out to to China to find this factory. We were, obviously, it was a very serious business trip, but we also had quite a lot of fun. Uh, I never realized uh, how, you know, modern and actually super cool the, the, the hospitality nightlife scene is in Shenzhen. Hmm. Um, so we were going to all these different restaurants and, you know, testing out the amazing payment tech that exists yeah. in China. Um, everything's powered by WeChat and Alipay. So right. everywhere you go, this is even like five, six, seven years ago, and maybe even uh, earlier, you would go into a venue and you would just scan a QR code and pay on your phone. And like, you know, it was just this light bulb moment that for me, it was like, I am seeing the future here. This is like, this is where the West is going to go. It, you know, at some point it's going to catch up with all of this. Um, and I kind of had it in the back of my head. So I had that, you know, the the WeChat and Alipay experience paying on your phone. And then I also went to a restaurant out there where the, it was the only place I was able to order myself Um, Because it was a visual menu on your mobile phone, so you scanned it and you were able to construct your little burger on your on the screen. And I was like, "This is bloody cool!" Like, why is no one doing this outside of outside of China? Anyway, I come back to the UK and I have this. You know, I think I I literally came straight back from Shenzhen and then went to Cornwall uh, for for like a trip or whatever. And I had to pay with cash, and I was like what the hell are we doing? Yeah. Like, I, you know, everyone always like used to explain it like, you know, they're a developing country, like all of this stuff. It's complete rubbish. Mm-hmm. Like China is like five, 10 years ahead of the West. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to build this business with Charged Up. I'm going to get a massive network on that. And eventually we can start doing the payment technology off the, on the top of that network. Yeah. And obviously then, A few years later, you know, once we'd built the network, we got a load of sites on board that that kind of vision of doing the payments as well. It played out. We launched the second company and that's where Served Up all came from.
2: And was Served Up self-funded or did you need to raise funding for that?
1: Uh, so it was funded out of, out of the money that we made from, uh, the sanitizer. Okay. Um, and then we also raised another, uh, it's like another 7 million pounds off the, off
2: the back of that. So, and can you just go into the sanitizer business a little bit? I know it's not the sexiest yeah. business in the world, I'm but clear. the fact that you've built it in 12 months and exited within yeah. 12 months for a seven figure sum, it's, it's quite impressive, right?
1: It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a wild journey. It was literally, so my co-founder, Charlie, um, he, so, uh, roll back one step. So COVID, COVID comes, uh, everything starts to lock down. We had 100 charged up stations ready to go into, I think it was some shopping centers, some train stations, etc. Um, and there were these like kind of up, uh, like um, floor standing units that would hold the two charging stations on the front of it and allow you to go up to it and rent it. But obviously, in a train station, there's no bar to put the charging station on. So you need, we needed to build this enclosure. So we'd made these 100 units they were sat in this factory up in Loughborough um and 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 basically when when covid came about we couldn't install them so we were left with these 100 units like what are we going to do with them yeah. we have just paid i think it was like 50 grand or something to have these things made and obviously we're not going to roll them out to deserted train stations <laughs> so charlie um had came up with this absolute like genius idea which was to put a little pump on the top. So replace where the charging station would go, put a little pump on the top, and then a bag to hold sanitizer underneath and repurpose them into sanitizer dispensers. And because we had this manufacturing partner it, literally in the space of days and you can go way back and look on our on our linkedin and youtube and stuff we used to do vlogs like daily uh weekly vlogs of all this stuff so you can see it all happening that must be quite in real cool time to still look back on yeah, well. yeah it's, it's super nice and i i love that we we did that back yeah. then um because yeah you know you'll be able to look back on it yeah. in years years in the future um but yeah we were literally like it was putting it together and then coming up with these ideas and then the manufacturer made a, a sample of it um and then we we made we converted the first hundred And then we basically, we sold them to, I think we basically said to our our charged up salespeople, we were like, guys, reach out to your network, see if anyone's interested in this. And then we sold a hundred, I think, to a care home or something. And then next person comes in and they want like, 250 and then it's like the next person comes in and then they want a thousand and then it just snowballed and snowballed and then the the big one that really flipped it over for us that kind of put us on the map or whatever this is all in the space of like weeks this is not like months and months of time it's insane we very at the very beginning we pitched um because we've been pitching to get charged up into the tube stations yeah so we used that same contact and we said look we we're, we're now doing the sanitizer stuff do you guys want some stations um and you know we didn't think that we'd get it we thought you know one of the big proper companies would get that yeah. kind of deal um and for whatever reason they decided to go with us um they said, well actually they they gave us this ultimatum they were like Sadiq Khan wants to reopen the tubes it was like I think it was like on a Thursday and it was like the following like a week on Sunday from there so you've got like what 11 days to do it they were like if you can get these units in installed branded like everything then you can have the contract, wow. and for whatever reason, we said yes. <laughs> and somehow, we basically redirected some stock that was going to go to someone else. Re, re, kind of, we didn't make them from scratch because obviously you can't make something from scratch in eleven days. Yeah, sure. Um, rebranded them and managed to deliver them. There's a great photo of Boris going in and like, you know, I think uh, like opening the station or whatever, and yeah. Sadiq using them. It's it all, you know, big, big huzzah um, about it. Um and because we got that contract and you know we had TFL on our on our client list, we then just started getting ridiculous numbers of contracts. Wow! Ended up um, delivering like it was like sixty thousand units in
2: the space of a few months. Like that must have been such an exciting period. Yeah, it was. I mean, obviously very stressful and tiring and hard work, but obviously quite exciting.
1: Oh, it it was honestly, it was such fun and like the amount of weird stuff that we had to do. Like I remember one time uh we we'd got this contract um and we'd received the money from from the the person who'd paid for all these units i ended up i I had to go into Natwest because um, we didn't have the facility to transfer huge amounts of money, so I had to physically go to the branch and make a transfer of like a million pounds or something to the supplier to pay to get these units manufactured and they were like you know th- this this like 24 year old or whatever is coming into the into the <laughs> bank in the middle of covid to transfer like millions of pounds <laughs> yeah. they're like uh, like genuinely they were asking me like has someone brought you in at gunpoint yeah. like what's <laughs> going on here it was such a weird scenario
0: I, I feel like with this with the sanitizing thing i feel like that's that's got to be something in you man to have like to spot that and to be like well we can just use it for this and be like there's an idea in that and then to just execute and so, like that's that's a skill but that's also like that's something innate in you i don't think most people would think to do that on top of already, cause you were already running charged up at this point. Mm. So to think about that and be like, okay, we can't do that. How can we spin it? Okay, adapt, stick and move and then find a way to make that work. That's seriously impressive, man.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was it was pretty fun. <laughs>
0: um, we're uh, literally we, this this could go for hours, um, but uh, as we're wrapping up, there's one question we like to ask all of our guests, basically, which is obviously as you've seen from this, we're a very practical podcast. We're very big on like sort of uh, the nuts and bolts of things, and less yep. on the motivational side of things. Um, for anyone listening that might be either starting a business or they've already started one, if you could give one piece of practical advice uh, to someone starting a business or looking to, what would that be? So it could be to do with marketing, budgeting, hiring, um, iteration, anything.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, going back to kind of the first thing that we were talking about, about boiling down the idea to the MVP, like so many people I hear, you know, you see it on even on Dragon's Den as well, like these people who put hundreds of thousands of pounds of their life savings Mm. into making this widget or whatever that it turns out no one cares about. Like, I think get that piece of advice that we got right at the beginning around like you know, build this thing because not only is it like, obviously it can succeed and it can do well, but it could also be the reason, you know, if you, if you build it and see if people want to pay for it, that could be the reason that tells you not to do that business. And like, you know, maybe you, you learn um, that it's not going to be viable way quicker, way cheaper Mm. than spending hundreds of thousands of pounds to figure out the exact same result. Um, so I think, Reading the um, uh, you know about the Eric Reese's like um, uh, MVP stuff, all of that. I think it's so important to like figure out what is the boiled down version of your product or your idea or whatever you're trying to build, and get people to pay for it as quick as possible. Don't mess around with making a website or making some cool branding or any of this kind of stuff. Like just figure out are people going to pay for it as quick as possible um, with the least budget, the least amount of time. And yeah, that would be my biggest piece of advice. Don't don't waste time on other stuff until you figure that out. Clinical, very
0: good piece of advice. Amazing, Hugo. Thank you so much for that, man. Um, before we go, the floor is yours. Where can people find you or find Charged Up or where do you want to send people?
1: Um, yeah. So we're on LinkedIn, on uh, on Twitter, Instagram, everything. It's all Charged Up. Um, and Charged Up World, if that tag was not available uh and then yeah i'm on on linkedin as hugo tilmouth um so yeah i'd love to love to connect
0: hugo tilmouth thank you so much for an amazing conversation man really wow that was lightning uh guys thank you so much for tuning in uh if you enjoyed make sure to subscribe and turn on post notifications so you don't miss any future episodes we've got some amazing guests coming uh coming soon and uh, and if you're on spotify or apple podcast make sure to rate us five stars and give us a review and we'll see you in the next one hugo tilmouth thank you so much man thanks a lot thank you